Next on Rugby Wrap-Up, amazing Major League Rugby coverage with Brian Ray, Dan Power, and Matt McCarthy. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by The Pig and Whistle, the world's best rugby pub. The Murphy Kennedy Group, founded with the idea that construction can be done better. And Lean and Limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Thank you for joining us. And we have two of the biggest stars in global rugby, and Mr. Brian Ray and Mr. Dan Power. And we're here to talk a little Major League Rugby, fellas. First off, Dan, we're going to have to deal with Brian. He's in front of the city of Toronto, but you're also, being a good sport, you're in front of uh, the Toronto Arrows logo. And I happen to be in front of downtown Toronto as well. So let's start off. Let me just say hi first. Hi, Dan. Hi, hi, Matthew. And um, thank you for providing this platform for me to officially apologize to Mark Winnicker and Chris Silverthorne and the entire city of Toronto for my uh, uneducated, foolish words last week on the show. I got one of the top sides right, but Toronto, I'm sorry. Over 100 points in two weeks. What am I thinking? Brian, sorry. Brian, do you want to accept that apology on behalf of your fellow Canadians? Well, on, on behalf of Canada, I, I will begrudgingly accept the apology. And uh, I'm glad that uh, the resounding answer, the correct answer came through on Sunday. That's not very Canadian of you to begrudgingly accept an apology. I, I, I would think that you would wrote robustly accept the apology they, they, these are trying times matt uh, you know everybody is just running a little bit thin on patience and even us canadians have to you know change up a little every now and then fair play fair play let's talk about last week's matches quickly though uh let's start with rugby atl 38 new orleans 28 Great performance from uh, from Atlanta. They came flying out of the gate. That one, two really quick tries, super aggressive early on, and then they finished it off uh, at the end. Pretty clinical the last 15 minutes. You know, I asked Scott Lawrence after the match uh, what they were thinking there, and he said, hey, Matt Heaton, our captain, really wanted us to go after them in the beginning. So, you know, another Canadian putting his hand up and uh, putting Nola under pressure, and uh, they look great, I, I, you know, I just have to say. And, and, and Dan, I got to give him credit for that because he called that one uh, last week. So uh, a great win for them. I think Nola would be uh, pretty disappointed not to come away with any points at all in this one. Uh, I think they could have done a little bit better. Dan, you, you didn't have a problem picking against your Aussie contingent of Nate Osborne and co. And you were right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure what to make of Nola. To be honest, it's uh, there's some talent there, but they just seem rudderless at the moment. I think the Robbie Coleman like effect is still being felt, and we saw it in ATL with Kurt Coleman uh, missing early in the season with the. Well, he's done for the year, obviously, but they're starting to get right. But on that home track, it's very fast, and that defense is good, and it, it can stifle you pretty quickly if you don't make adjustments. And they did that to Nola last year. And I just had a feeling that the kind of the matchup suited rugby ATL in this one. So happy to be right once in a while. What they say about blind squirrels. So I'll take it. Flying or blind? Uh, well, imagine a flying blind squirrel. Oof. You'd have to be really lucky if you're one of those. Yeah, that, that sounds better for me. I'm a flying blind squirrel. Yeah, you know, they, I believe it was Nola's first road game and they looked 
flat out tuckered in the second half because that was a frenetic pace both teams were keeping or trying to keep up. But youth was served, and you know, you know, Scott Lawrence teams are going to be fit. But again, you know, the other side of fitness, the injury bug, they've been playing with that. Nola's back line again, playing without key guys that they thought they were going to have that they don't have either because of COVID, because of injury. That's that's got a lot to do with it. So it should be interesting to see if these some of these key components come back if Nola starts playing a little bit more disciplined and 80 minutes of rugby, but right now they're, they're under the gun a little bit. The Giltinis, 45, San Diego, 17. Dan, you called this match one of the, one of the, one of the matches that you called on the weekend. What did you take away from this? I'm shocked they stopped at 45. It was 21 nothing after seven minutes or something. It was crazy how quick they came out. I'm like, oh, and and, and you know this, uh, you know, calling games as well, Matt. The, the last thing you want to call is a blowout because it just becomes like, how many creative ways can I call a try? Or, or yeah, how can I keep a positive spin for the other team here? But San Diego did good to stay in the fight. And losing Nate Augsburger early, I know we talked about that a little earlier, but... Um, yeah, that's just tough, man. They they they've got to get the uh, the the mocky the mock mocker mocker the jinx the curse whatever it is the injury bug off San Diego because they are they're, they're going so deep into their roster right now. I feel bad for San Diego. Yeah, I mean that was it. Five minutes and the game was done. When Augsburger went down, I mean, just uh, you know, as a spectator, as a fan, you just kind of. You know, you sunk with the players when you saw that happen. That was, uh, you know, pretty terrible to watch. Uh, and uh, L.A. just, yeah, I mean, they just uh, coasted the last half hour of that match. They could have scored more if they wanted. And they just kind of went through the motions. So, you know, uh, pretty formidable outfit right now. Although I feel like there's another team that could uh, give them a run uh, later this season. What the Mark O'Keefe is up with Vandermeer with the hair. With the, well, there's a couple of them, um, so I'm guessing it's probably like the spin the wheel, roll the dice kind of thing going. Are they on, like Masons or something? I've what got, is there? You... Got to tell you, um, I, I get caught at one point in the game, Adam. I'm, I'm watching the monitor, and he comes up and they do a close up. I'm like, God, he's, he's a really good looking guy. I'm he's like, a good looking guy. Holly Idol Holly. played rugby. Yeah. Yeah, like LA is like perfect, and I know I've got like the the man crush mountain, and it's starting to get a little bigger. And I don't know if I've got room for DTH. I'm There's like no room on your man crush mountain. That, that thing is like really overpopulated. Yeah, but yeah, he he was he was great too. I mean, the combination between him and Cardi, that connection. Oof. Like I think the, it was three tries in the first half. DTH scored to himself, set another one up for Poitevin, I believe, back on the inside of that set. Brilliant set play. Um, yeah, they they are so much fun to watch. Like, and, um, you know, Luke Cardi is a backup. That's a pretty good option to go to. Right? Yeah, you look good. You had a good game, Luke Cardi. Real good game. Yeah. Okay. And and our best wishes, of course, to Nate Augsburger because he is one of the good people off the pitch and a great great inspiration on the pitch for his team. Utah and the I'm out of breath from just saying this. Utah and Houston, fifty to forty three, just ninety three points, Brian. Yeah, defense a little bit optional in this one. Is there a Mikey memo? Teo. Mikey was just, uh, you know, doing whatever he wanted out there, uh, connected with Mika Kruse a few times in that game. I mean, they just looked, they ripped up Houston out wide. And, and you know, I mean, 
to Houston's credit, they're down by 18 points at one point in that second half. And they, they came back and they pulled out two bonus points in the losing effort in that one. So we give them a little credit for that. But man, Houston has got to sort out their restarts and their exits. They're just the worst in the league at that right now. Every time they score points, Utah scores immediately after. And we saw it the, the game before against LA. So they've got to sort that out. Dan, you've got that combination now. Mikey Teo, who is basically a keg with feet and hands. And Mika Cruze, who's threatened Palamo De or Junior. And they're, they're like the best combo in Utah since Donnie and Marie. Yeah, they're, they're doing really good. Um, and it was funny because you kind of look at Mikey as a young guy still. And then you're like, well, actually, he's not. He's been around for a while. He's a veteran now. And he's assumed that role with Utah and, and done quite well. This was, this was actually uh, – this game kicked off – right around when we started our game. So I actually had it up, 12 nothing Houston. Turned it off. Obviously, we had the LA game. Quickly got my phone back on at the end of the game. It was 50-43. I was like, how did that happen? Yeah, this one on the Rugby Network. So kept it up uh, while we're doing the other game and, and kept the night. What, what an exciting game from both sides. And, and Brian pretty much summed it up perfectly there. You know, great win for Utah after losing three straight. They get back into the winner's circle. Houston, I get the feeling that they're not as, you know, that Houston we saw in week two and three. They're better than that. And they're going to be winning more games than they lose moving forward here if they can just make those corrections that Brian mentioned. Who are they missing, Brian? Are there key components that Houston is still missing that they're going to get back or are they lost for the season? What's going on? Well, they just got Joe Thomas as Welsh lad. Uh, he, he came in as a replacement on the wing. He's an outside center out and out, so hopefully he'll uh, move there properly. Uh, they had Dicky Dicky Lati, their outstanding Fijian, missed that one. He's a big loss. Matias Freira, another, uh, their Argentine fullback, he was missing that one. Uh, you know, I don't think those guys are long-term, so if they can get those guys back, that'll uh, help. But but they lost, uh, you know, they've lost Val Lilo up front, uh, I think, for a little while, and uh, they lost Charlie Connolly early in the game in this one, and that's another uh, frontline prop for them. So uh, you know, they're just going to have to uh, to adjust a little bit there. Just again, the the, the 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 lack of defense in this league is it a testament to the offenses in the in in the league, or is it just nobody's tackling? I, I don't know. It's definitely it's got to be the highest scoring league in the world. Like, and I don't think it's even close. James Patterson and uh, Pat Clifton had a thing up recently where they went through the top teams from the thing, and, and the LA Guiltinis were about twenty points a game better on a scoring rate than the next nearest side, which I'm sure, I'm not sure if it was the Crusaders, the Reds or the Bristol Bears. But uh, yeah, if you like attacking rugby, MLR is where it's at. We arrive at the match that Brian is going to want to talk about. <laughs> Toronto visiting New York in Joyzy City. I'm a bit speechless, to be honest. Uh, this is the best performance from the Arrows we've seen all year. And, and look, uh, you know, I'll take the credit for calling the win, but I did not foresee uh, this scoreline even remotely. Uh, that back line was absolutely on fire. The back three, just out of this world, amazing. Uh, ben Lasage, another big game. Rumble, three massive turnovers. And I mean, this was just an excellent... I'm not going to call it a complete performance yet because there's still a little... Uh, couple little quibbles at the set piece that they, they can uh, sort out. But uh, that was a pretty damn good performance from the Arrows. And that's the Arrows team that we were expecting to see from the start. So just a shame, uh, you know, I, I expected a little bit more from New York, but I know they're hurting a little bit, had to rest a couple of bodies in that one. So I'm sure that they'll bounce, bounce back from that one. Dan, now that that back line knows each other's names, they are lethal. And they were just firing on all cylinders. 
Yeah, they're playing such an impressive attack formation too with the layers, the options at the line, playing at the back. And they know if we go option A, this is what we do. If we go option B, this is what we do. Like everyone's just in sync. It's gorgeous to watch. You mentioned Rumble. I'll ask you this, Matt. I won't ask Brian because I think I know his answer. If you stop the season right now, is he the league MVP? I think he is. I'll give you that. Lucas Rumble, no argument. I mean, and I, and I said to him, I'm going to come up with a rugby wrap-up award for guys like him because the backs get all the point leaders and this and that his work rate and his, his arrival at rocks is unsurpassed. Nate Brakeley is very good and he leads New York and he led the league last year going into this match. And I know that rumble just shattered it again this week, but he was at like a hundred to Luke to, to Nate Brakeley's 70. You know, this yeah. is, this is an incredible guy with an incredible work rate and his work doing the dirty work. And those other guys, Deanna, and De La Vega and the rest of that pack, they do that dirty work. And you saw, and like even Shepard was in there. You got to, you see them doing that. That just, that whole back line. And their whole game plan was to be physical at the breakdown, but get the ball out quickly to the back line and make hmm. New York's big guys run all over the pitch. Game plan executed. Old Glory taking it to New England. Dan, you did this one as well. I mean, you must have been really jet-lagged when you're doing this one because you're jetting across the country. You're handling all these different names. It's, you know, from, from where you live to L.A. to, to D.C., but you, you did manage to pull it off, and it was a pretty good match. It was, and I had this one probably outside Toronto, New York, is my most anticipated match of the round because, obviously, both of them were desperate. They were sitting counter at the bottom side of that Eastern Conference. We know how good the East is this year. The loser of this match is kind of be like at the bottom staring up and, and it's going to be a chase now. So it was important. It's quite breezy at Leesburg. I almost lost my toupee. I mean, I don't wear a toupee, uh, but I think you saw the influence of the wind. Um, Old Glory did a really good job using it in the first half. Big clearing kicks, got out of their end. Uh, New England started well, but similar to what Noah said about Nola. I, I don't know who New England is. Like, I just don't know their identity as a rugby team yet. I'm trying to figure it out, and I think they're trying to figure it out. Are they how they want to play and how they want to execute? They've got a great coach there, in Ryan Martin. I think it's going to take a while for his, you know, fingerprint to be put on the team and, and they get their identity. But they just kind of look a little lost at times in big moments in the game. And where Old Glory, big moments, Tussi Tyler, Robinson. How about Dabulis, young kid out of up in your neck of the woods? Man, he was unreal yesterday. I love, I love seeing these young college kids come into these professional setups and without a lot of fanfare. He didn't get drafted, but he was one of the best players on the field for both sides yesterday. So good, good job from him and good job from uh, Andrew Douglas and the crew there at Old Glory picking him up. I got to mention uh, Old Glory's scrum. Uh, you know, last year they were absolutely pulverized in scrum and to see them coming out and, and really putting New England under pressure in the scrum it was impressive in that first half. Um, you know, and, and those front rowers for New England, they've logged a lot of minutes this year, the starting front three. They looked a little bit tired pretty early on in that game. So uh, they're going to have to look at uh, maybe some rotation there to help those guys out. But uh, no, full credit to Old Glory, uh, you know, obviously a well-coached side to bring in two uh, backs, you know, during the week, throw them in the game to have them fit like that. Uh, yeah, impressive performance. And 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 as you said, uh, Dan, uh, Dabulis, wow, that, that's the try he scored in the first half. was just a scorching run. Uh, impressive. Good performance from them. Yeah, and I, I got to uh, chat with the front row of Old Glory when they were up here to play New York. The three E's, Stevie Longwell, Jamie Deaver, and Mikey Sassini-Finge. And they are – they're good. 
and their characters. And they get along. They're different guys. They're one's from Ireland, one's from Scotland, one's from New Zealand, kind of. You know, they, but they're all they're all very very good players and unsung. Yeah. So kudos to the to DC. Dan, your Gilgronies are now playing offense to match their defense. 42 they laid on the struggling, to say the least, Seattle Seawolves. Yeah, I did some, uh, some American Rugby News style investigating and picked up those photos of Sam Harris from week one and week five and the aging process. How happy is he and, and his lovely wife that finally they got a win that wasn't in the balance at the 80th minute. Uh, they look good. And now the big one is the two gills at the top of the table. So you circle, I think it's May, I'm going to say it's May 19th. It's actually a Wednesday night game. And that's when the, the Giltinis traveled to the Gilgronies. Uh, it's almost got the feel of like the first Rocky. This LA's flash, you know, flashy. They can move. They can, you know, the Apollo Creed of, of the MLR. And you've got the Rocky Balboa is this tough, gritty Austin side that just base everything off defense that are going to clash. And oh, I just can't wait for that. That's going to be a really fun game on a Wednesday night too. But Austin, good win. Seattle. Made a coaching change, uh, didn't do much, did it? So not sure what to do in Seattle. They've got yeah. coaches, but can those coaches play? That's the bottom line. If you, you know, yeah. if Rory Best isn't going to go on the pitch, is how much can he help right now? Maybe in the future, but right now is they need help right now. Brian, what do you got coming in for your adopted team, the Seattle Seawolves, who are basically part of Canada because they're up that close? Uh, it's, it's tough to watch them at the moment. This one felt like a slow death in the game, even though, you know, it was tied 10-10 at one point. You just knew it was coming. You could see uh, them wilting a bit. And then once uh, Austin got that stranglehold, it was over. There was nothing left in that Seawolf side. And, you know, I don't know who they bring in. They've got, you know, we still got Yamada, the Japanese winger, to come in. But you got to win the game up front. You can't uh, depend on a flying winger to, to, to win it for you. So, you know, even Samu Manoa, great to have him back, but the guy hasn't played in almost two years. You know, he didn't have much of an impact out there, and, you know, you, you can't really expect that. So uh, I, I don't know what they do. Uh, they've just got to get uh, their, their heads back into it more than anything because, uh, like we've seen, their body language is just not good at the moment. All right, guys, on that note, we got to take a quick break. Do not go away. We'll be back with thoughts on the upcoming matches after this. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle, on West 36th Street. Been blind since I was four. And I've never seen a beer commercial or a beer label. None of that stuff influences me. I drink beer because of the taste. And my beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon. It has a taste on the flavor. What do you think's on the label? I think there's a, a naked woman riding on a unicorn, jumping over fire. Oh, that's good beer. With Dan Power and Brian Ray. Gentlemen, we've got four matches coming up this week because of the buys. We have Atlanta, Houston, Utah, and the Gilgronies all with the week off. Some need it more than others, but we do have some interesting matches ahead of us. We have the Free Jacks going to San Diego or, I guess, to Los Angeles for now because San Diego 
has announced that they will be getting at least four home games at Torero Stadium. So that's good news for those Legion fans. What do you think about this one, Dan? It's a tough road trip. Boston to LA, it's a long flight. Uh, the good thing is where Seattle had to go east and play at 7.30 West Coast time, the time difference actually won't affect New England here as much as going the opposite way. You know, you, you're three hours the other way, unless you schedule like an 8.30 at night kickoff, which is 11.30 East Coast. We haven't done that. San Diego is so beat up. Like this is going to be one where you're going to have to really take a look at the roster and see what's there and who's coming back. Is Joe Peterson back? We don't know. You know, but you've got Rob Shaw, Audsley, uh, Augsburger, all out for the year. Done. Um, we're waiting for Paddy Ryan in June and Josh Verno, uh, TBD. And now you've got them getting cheated of Chris Robshaw because of injury. But next one up is Old Glory, D.C., going into L.A. to face the Giltinis at the Coliseum. Old Glory is better than all of us thought, except for Dan, Dan Power, at the start of the season. They're a pretty good team, Brian. Yeah, they uh, they impressed me certainly against New England, and and really this year uh, they've looked a lot better than uh, yeah than I anticipated. Robertson comes back, uh, thumb doesn't seem to be bothering him too much, so uh, that's good for them. But uh, the Giltinis, I mean, there's just no way you're going to pick against them at home after the way they've been steaming rolling everybody. So uh, you know, as good as Old Glory played, uh, they're not the team that's going to uh, upturn that cart. It's a big cart, isn't it? I don't I don't know. If- uh, they've got the strike weapons to do it. Like, I think you've got to go punch for punch with LA. Um, they they do leak points because they score so many points, but they do leak some points as well. Old Glory have the players to capitalize on that. Tuas and, and, and Robbo there, that 9-10 is a, a great combination. And they've got a really good kicking game. So they can play territory, make LA go a long way, which LA can do. But if they can go shot for shot, I wouldn't say they're not a chance. They're, it's kind of like the Lloyd Christmas. So you're telling me there's a chance? Yeah, more, one in a hundred, more like one in a million kind of thing. But there is a chance. But LA at home, and uh, they had a pretty good crowd, like considering you know the situations in California, pretty good turnout. And I, I, LA love a winner, so hopefully they can get some more out this weekend. But uh, I, I wouldn't pick against LA uh, at this point in time. The Arrows. Going into New Orleans, Brian, and we're going to start with Dan. Arrows. Sorry. Sorry, Ned Osborne. Sorry, guys down there. But uh, over 100 points in the last two weeks, and uh, the Arrows just seem to be getting better and better. It seems as though my motivation, my intentional motivational talk that I didn't pick them has reinvigorated Toronto. And, uh, yeah, I've always, always, Mark Winnicker, been in your corner. I'm, I'm an Arrows fan. I'm part of the Commonwealth, man. I think if you look at Taylor Adams, the impact he's got on this Arrows team right now, I mean, he's clicking with that offense so perfectly. And then you look at the number 10 over at NOLA. They've got Timothy Guillemin. Now, he's not a bad player, but he's more of a kicker. That's not the style of 10. That's not even remotely in the in the class of, of Robbie Coleman uh, in, in the running game. So he just isn't suiting their style well. They're trying to shoehorn Hanno Dirksen in, who's been playing wing for the last decade for the Ospreys. His instincts just aren't there. So that's a real problem position for them. And, you know, as much as there's a lot of guys I like on that NOLA side, uh, it's just not gelled together the way it needs to be to compete with the Arrows, who are just on fire at the moment. The, the Arrows are on fire. They're all clicking. We said earlier in the show, they know each other's names now in that back line. Montero is six foot four and 240 pounds on the wing. He's 57 caps. And the experience, the capped international, the international caps in that back line for Argentina, Uruguay, 
and it, even in the pack, it's just a dynamic team. They're now used to living on the road. I got to hang out with them a little bit after they beat New York, and I sat with Mike Shepard, and he was saying, you know what, none of that was, none of that was an excuse. We got blown out, uh, and we had a crap game in Utah, and it, I said, was because of the road? And he said, absolutely not. He says, we're all professionals, but we, we hardly knew each other. We didn't have any exhibition season at all. We were in Canada. We were playing against each other at practice. You kind of don't hit each other as hard as you would at training as, as another team would. So he said, we didn't have any of that. Now we've this far, first part of the season was kind of like our exhibition season. He also said one key thing that I thought was interesting. He said, the one thing that is a little bit irritating at times is that you're, you're around rugby 24 seven because you're living in a hotel. Everybody's there. You're not going home. You're not going out and walking your dog. You're not going to the movie with your wife or your girlfriend. There is nothing else but rugby 24 seven for Toronto. And I think they've now all figured, okay, we're already in it. We're getting through it. And now they are all firing together on all cylinders and they are going to be dangerous going forward. The next one, New York at Seattle. And if you saw the look on Dylan's, Dylan Fawcett's face that I saw in the parking lot after they lost to Toronto, you would not want to be Seattle. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty pretty tough for Seattle to start the season five games in a row on the road. That's, uh, that's tough for anybody. Uh, and, they, and they just they, they're not playing well right now. So they'll be, you know, like San Diego, they'll be happy to get back to their, you know, at least their home state back to Starfire stadium. But yeah, I mean, they just, they're not showing a lot of signs of life right now. New York is going to be so fired up after that, uh, you know, super disappointing performance in Jersey. So uh, yeah, you got to go with New York on the road in this one. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's a tough road trip, right? We talked about New England going all the way uh, to LA to play San Diego. And this is just as hard going all the way over there, you know, New York to Seattle is a long flight. And um, I still think New York is a good team. They're not as good as Toronto, Brian, Mark, Chris, everyone, Bill, sorry. But then you're going to have to prove it. And I think he's 100% right. You're right, Matt. They've got to prove it this week. Good teams bounce back from bad performances with a good performance. And we'll see. We'll see how they do against Seattle. Seattle at home, they're making some changes in the front office. They're making some changes... uh, but is it going to be enough? I don't know. Yeah, they're great changes. They're, again, we, we talked about it in the first half of the show. Going forward, that can only help them. But right now, they need an immediate fix right now. I don't see it. I'm not ready to write you off yet, Seawolves, because I, I love you. But this one, I think you're going to go down in, unfortunately, for the Seawolves fans that are hopefully packing that stadium. I don't know what the protocol is yet, Brian. Do you? No. America's Rugby News once again failing on Rugby Wrap-Up. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time. I want to thank Mr. Brian Ray and Mr. Dan Power for coming on. I'm Matt McCarthy. Thank you to all of you for tuning in. And please check out our other segments, including our Major League Rugby Show, our Global Rugby Recap, What Are the Odds, our Major League Rugby Sports Bet Show with the Philly Godfather, John Bradshaw Layfield, the WWE legend, and Gifty Belu, Martial Law, the Zack Attack, And please sign up for our American Red Cross Rugby Wrap-Up Blood Donor Team.